Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Washington, D.C. Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. All right, we are off and running on a final football Friday of the season because the final game of the season is a little bit more than 48 hours away. Let's call it 53 hours away. How about that, huh? How do you like them apples? But we're with you over the next three hours, so we'll take up three of that 53 remaining. With you on the radio on the Team 980, the Odyssey app, anywhere in the weird, wide world. And also, we're with you on 1067HD2 and the Team980.com slash listen. Matty Ice over there. Football Friday over here. Driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. We'll be joined by Gary Myers, longtime NFL scribe, voice, author. Wrote a recent book about the New York Giants that generated some controversy. Obviously, we'll talk Super Bowl 58. He's been at a number of them uh, throughout the years and has a good handle for both of these teams. So we'll do that. Kirk Morrison, former NFL linebacker, Raiders, other teams. Uh, and longtime broadcaster, done national radio, done TV, does college football. He'll tell us who's going to win in his eyes. It surprised me when we caught up early this morning. Uh, and as well, Kirk had something to say about what the commander should do with that number two overall pick. Let you hear that. Coming up in the 3 o'clock hour with Kirk Morrison, former NFL uh, linebacker from Las Vegas. And as well, we'll talk to uh, Tyler Fulgham from ESPN and ESPN Bet later on this hour. As we get you set for a couple of the props that he likes. uh, And as well, why the line spread really hasn't... Or the the line spread, the the, the line... You know what I'm saying. the, The line movement, whatever, has not really moved. I mean, it kind of moved a little bit after an initial push, but it's pretty much held rock steady. And am I missing something? Because the 49ers are the favorites in this game. You know I don't have much respect, quite honestly, for odds makers. I don't think they know what you think they know. I don't think they have any information or very little information 
that isn't readily and publicly available. Sometimes they are right, and sometimes they hit it square on the head. And oftentimes they are woefully wrong. Woefully wrong. And we just, like, look, everybody does a different radio show. We just don't buy in hook, line, and sinker into what bookies, oddsmakers, are saying is going to happen. And sometimes that gets us in trouble. I remember there was a game, I don't remember, I think it was a big college football game, regular season. Pete and I were still doing the show together. And I was like, it was something to do with Alabama. And I was like, Pete, man, that line sucks. Man, that line is way off. I can't remember the exact details. But he kept saying, no, it's a good line. It's a good line. It's a good line. It's a good line. This, that, and the other thing. And he was adamant about it. And I was adamant that it was a bad line and that the bookies didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And it turned out that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And I was woefully wrong. And I think it was Alabama that I was railing against. And Alabama won. And Alabama won convincingly. So I was wrong. But there's plenty of times that I'm right when something smells fishy. You know, Sheehan does the smell test. I don't do a smell test, but I'm telling you something here is fishy. Something here smells a little bit off. And what I'm wondering, (laughs) what I'm wondering is, am I the one that's reading the room wrong? By saying, whoa, wait a second. Should San Francisco actually be favored? If you look at how San Francisco has played, really since the Christmas night game against Baltimore, including in a win here in Washington where, you know, they pulled away, but I wasn't that impressed by them in any way, shape, or form. All right, they wrapped up the regular season. Game didn't mean anything. Nobody important played. I mean, I'm not judging them for Sam Darnold. They had the bye. They came out and were absolutely, again, here's here's where I sometimes get myself in trouble and sometimes I'm just absolutely dead on. I'm telling you, I know football, okay? You don't always have to agree with me. I know football. When I watched the 49ers against the Packers, there was one team that should have won that game and one team that should have lost that game, and it wasn't the team that won the game that should have won. Now, the Packers made plenty of mistakes too, but you would kind of expect the Packers to make those kind of mistakes in the rain, on the road. You know, uh, Jordan Love, is not a rookie quarterback, but a first-year starter, so on and so forth. Against the vicious 49er defense, which, you know, again, those that live by rankings and statistics and offer no context and no nuance at all in any way, shape, or form, you Ben Johnsonites, you number knuckleheads, if you watch the 49ers, and again, I can't say necessarily on Christmas night, although they weren't great on defense on Christmas night either against the Ravens and Lamar, But that was more because of five turnovers by the 49ers on offense. Four four interceptions by Brock, so on and so forth. If you watch the 49ers at any point 
again, since that Christmas night shellacking by the Ravens, it is hard to walk away and go, yep, that team should not only win Super Bowl 58, but that team should be favored in Super Bowl 58. You know what I think this is? The more and more I think about this, Maddie, you remember the, this from last spring, how outraged I was. And guys like Hoffman and another guest or two along the way, I can't remember who, told me I was all full of crap. I was full of it. I was not reading it right. I was not interpreting it right. That the analytics, the ESPN predictor machine, whatever thingy, was picking the Boston Celtics over the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they said 97% chance that the Boston Celtics were going to win the series. 3% chance that the Heat were going to win the series. Do you remember who won that series? Yeah, it was the other team. Oh, okay. Do you remember who constantly railed against that number, that percentage, those analytics, whatever Vegas was selling, the BS that they were selling? Do you remember who... I'm pretty sure you were very anti just the Vegas lines, all that kind of stuff. You just thought that it was a whole lot of bullpucky. Exactly. Thank you. And and I'm not doing this to Steve Lombardi myself. Okay? I, I, I'm i sorry. Barry Horowitz myself. I always screw those two up. Barry Horowitz, the guy with, the, you know, patting on the back. I'm not doing this to Barry Horowitz myself. I'm here to prove a point, which is I think this line smells funky. And I'm not even a big gambling guy. I'm not a shark in the water. I'm not on uh, BetQL. I don't do any shows with BetQL. I'm not, it's not my my domain. It's not my habitat. It's not where I'm most comfortable. But something smells weird here. And I don't know how to get past it. And I admit it might be coloring me and my opinion about this game. But I haven't hid from the fact that I picked against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game because, A, I thought Baltimore was as close to invincible in all three phases as you could, B, they were at home, and B, the Chiefs were without Pro Bowl guard Joe Tooney, excellent, speedy linebacker Willie Gay, Legereus Sneed was banged up. Derek Nottie was not playing. And I I thought there's no way the Ravens are going to give up, what was it, 13 catches on 13 targets to Mr. Taylor Swift? I, I, I I didn't think that was possible. And yet they did all of that. And so immediately, of course, overreaction... Chris, as opposed to contrarian Chris, which some of you like to call me, thought, well, wait a second. How do you keep, how do you pick against the Chiefs? I picked the Chiefs to win straight up in Buffalo. A lot of people picked the Bills to win that game. Again, not Barry Horowitzing myself, but just here to remind you. I thought absolutely no way could Kansas City climb that mountain in Baltimore six days later. And they barely did. But man, did they do enough in the first half to do what they had to do. They forced turnovers. Baltimore was reckless. And they won. 
And I said to myself, how do I pick against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Mr. Taylor Swift? How? And Spags, that defense, and they've got a good place kicker. You know how place kickers drive me absolutely bonkers. Right? I mean, how do you pick against the Chiefs? So when the opening line Sunday night two weeks ago came out and they were two-point dogs, I said, okay, two points is not a lot. But there is no home field advantage, per se, even though the 49ers will have a ton of fans there. There's no home field advantage, so you can't say, well, that's why the 49ers are the favorite. And I started to think, I said, wait a second. Are the people that do this stuff for a living, that generate this information, that try and sucker you in, are the people that are in charge of this stuff that you guys go gaga over, Are they really watching the same games that I'm watching? That you're watching? Because if they are, they are watching games with bad corrective lenses. They need a new prescription. Or are they doing what Hoffman suggested and what Hoffman fought back with me on Again, when I was so upset about Vegas and the odds and it was, you know, different online short sport books and this, that, and the ESPN analytics about with the Eastern Conference Finals, again, 97.3, 97-3, to the Celtics were the odds-on favorite by far and away to win the title before the conference championship game. The Heat were the, the least favorite, so on and so forth, and I kept saying the Heat were going to win. The Heat were going to win. The Heat were going to win. And he said, oh, no, you're stupid. You're, you're this, you're that. Uh, it's based on the regular season. Okay. If it is based on the regular season, the Chiefs were 11-6. and six. The Chiefs weren't very crisp, let's call it, in the regular season. The 49ers, outside of a couple of games, including a three-game losing streak, in which Debo was banged up, Trent Williams was banged up. They lost a game on the road in bad weather to Cleveland at the at the buzzer, missed field goal. They got spanked by Joe Burrow and the Bengals in San Francisco or in San Jose. Uh, and there was a game in between. I think the the Vikings on a Monday night, which they lost pretty not badly but convincingly. And then obviously the Christmas night game, and I forgot their fifth loss. They were twelve and five. Were the Forty ers the Chiefs, as uneven as they were during the regular season, and, and that is more than fair, were 11-6. and six. Now, again, their division, spotty, right? The Chargers weren't anywhere near as good as people thought they were going to be. The Broncos certainly weren't. The Raiders weren't, right? So the Chiefs were maybe, I don't know, a bad-looking 11-6, and six, if that's possible. So I guess that's what the odds makers have done to us here. I guess that's why 
all of the betting stuff that you look at, and I'm looking right now, BetQL, it's holding steady in most books at minus two. FanDuel's got it, minus two and a half. But the consensus is minus two. And I will go so far to tell you that my friends at BetQL, which you should absolutely get a subscription to, uh, and check out all of their information. I mean, they're not right all the time, but they're right a lot of the time. They actually, they what they do is they analyze the spread based on all their data and analytics and whatever. And they're saying, actually, San Francisco should be favored by four and a half. A two and a half point difference than the consensus. Again, you might be able to get it at one and a half somewhere, depending on what book you use, what have you. But they're saying the spread actually should be four and a half. And I got to be honest with you, I'm a company guy, but I can't be a BS artist. I have no idea what they're saying. I, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't see it. So it's one of two things. Either myself and a lot of other people, I heard Sam Monson on with Sheehan say he's picking the Chiefs. Uh, He said everybody that he's talked to at Radio Row is picking the Chiefs. I get very, very, and Sam pointed this out, I get very nervous when everybody hops on one side because it usually does go the opposite way. But San Francisco has had practice issues this year, this week, with the turf at UNLV. We've talked about that a lot. Yesterday morning, we mentioned this. They had a fire alarm go off. McCaffrey and others pissed off about it. Something else happened. Uh, some guys, some of their guys are sick. They've had all sorts of things going on. The 49ers were the better regular season team than the Chiefs. That's indisputable. And they played in a better division. But the bottom line is, if we're watching the last five or six games, which is what matters more than the big picture over a 17-game season and what you did in September, if we're watching the same last four or five games, there's no way, there's no way the 49ers should be favored. There's no way that they should win this game. Could they? Sure. Should they? No. And that's where we start the show. Super Bowl 58, your predictions, your key X factors, your MVP, what prop bet you like. Let's do it, baby. The 49ers go for their first Super Bowl in, what, 30 years or whatever it is. The Chiefs go for back-to-back and three in the last five. What you got? I think you know what I've got. I'll give you more on what I think is important as we go along. Plus, we're jam-packed with guests, so get in now. 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. On the Ace Law listener lines in a rec case law, I hope you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. Call us. 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. All right, Super Bowl 58, of course, is on Super Sunday. That is just two days away. Our coverage right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app via Westwood One starts at 2 o'clock. The game, of course, right around 620, 625. And then all the postgame coverage. So if you're out and about coming back, going to Super Bowl parties, hopefully you're not 
drinking and driving and doing anything stupid and reckless. Don't be an idiot. But what's that, Manny? Oh, yeah. Um, but hop in on the Team 980 and or the Odyssey app through your phone or whatever smartphone, you know, whatever gadget you guys have. Um, and you can um, you can listen, you know, again, on, 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 your, on your way uh, to and from wherever you're coming from. Again, just be smart, be safe, don't do anything stupid. A lot of people having Super Bowl parties and all that. Of course, you know what that means. And our big game coverage here on the Team 980 is brought to you and presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. So let me give you a couple of reasons why I'm kind of adamant that the line smells fishy here. Again, two, some places have it at two and a half. I told you what BetQL, our service, um, and our partners at BetQL have it at four and a half. Again, most places have it at two. FanDuel right now has it at two and a half, whatever. Again, just kind of depends on where you go and where you shop. BetQL has a projected full score of 26.5 for the 49ers to 22 for the Chiefs. A 68.5% projected winning percentage. 14-12 at the first half or at the end of the first half. The 49ers with a winning percentage of 62% in that first half. There's obviously no home field advantage, yet somehow, I don't know how, BetQL has a check for the Chiefs and an X for the 49ers. I don't know. Team grade, they have A's for both. Offense grade, they have an A for the 49ers and a B-plus for the Chiefs. And I guarantee you that's because they don't trust, and I understand why, Over the course of a long regular season, the Chiefs' wide receivers were not very good. Here's what I know. They're getting Kadarius Toney back unless they deactivate him, which is possible. But he was activated off of whatever list he was on. They're getting Sky Moore back. Again, don't know if he'll be active, but I'm guessing he will be. They have Marquez Valdez-Cantling, who doesn't make a lot of plays, but he seems to make big ones, especially at the end when everybody thinks they're going to run and he just runs underneath a bomb from Patrick Mahomes. He's done it a couple of times just in the playoffs. They have Rasheed Rice. They might be getting Jarek McKinnon back. They have Isaiah Pacheco. They have Mr. Taylor Swift. B-plus, I think overall is fair, but it's not like if Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, shouldn't that elevate an average or an underachieving offense over the course of a long regular season in one game against a defense that once was better than it actually is, but hasn't played really sharp, hasn't played really well in any way over the last month plus. And yet, again, they're being given an A-plus defensive grade, as are the Chiefs, But yet people, and again, our own analytics company and our own betting analytics company is saying the 49ers should be favored by not two, not two and a half, by four and a half. And I've got to be missing something here because I don't see it. That's not the team that I've been watching. I watch them in person. 
at FedEx Field. I've watched every one of their games outside of the meaningless one in Week 18. I should say every one of their games down the stretch. I've watched much of their season. I have total respect for the 49ers. I'm rooting for the 49ers. I just don't see why the Chiefs are dogs and why people are saying, no, not only are they dogs, but they should be dogs by more. They're not going to win this game. It's the 49ers. And that's a reasonable opinion. You can feel that, right? You can think that, but on what? Based on what? Based on an entire 17-game season? Or based on what is most current? And that's my issue. Maybe I'm looking at it through the wrong prism. I look at more recent. Recency bias. And again, I could get in trouble. But the 49ers, even on offense, haven't looked sharp, sharp. They put together a couple of big scoring drives against Green Bay. That was it. They didn't move the the football sustainably. They had three good scoring drives, including a Christian McCaffrey 41-yard touchdown run and one big play to set that up. Okay, good drive. They had the big drive early in the game, laser throw to George Kittle. They had the big drive late in the game. That ultimately won them the game. Great drive. Not taking away anything from them. They had the big second half. But some of that was good fortune, right? The ball passing, uh, going off of Ayuk's face helmet. You know, I mean, we we talked about all of this two weeks ago. The 49ers have been fine on offense. It's not like they've been a juggernaut, boys and girls. And let's just be honest. They're taking on a much better defense than the Chiefs than they faced in the Packers or the Lions, or certainly even the Commanders, not obviously the Ravens, but it's not like the Chiefs are that far off, right? And the 49ers couldn't do anything against the Ravens' defense. So there are a couple of reasons why I think the line smells fishy and why I think Kansas City's going to win while I'm rooting for San Francisco. Like, flat out, I am rooting for Kyle Shanahan. I am rooting for Trent Williams. I got to be honest with you. I have no affinity, no personal whatever towards Chase Young. I mean, he could win. He could lose. It makes no difference to me. I'm not against Chase Young. I'm not for Chase Young. I, I didn't really get to know him when he was here. Seems like a decent guy, but it it doesn't move the needle for me. I'm rooting for Kyle Shanahan. I'm rooting for Trent Williams. I'm rooting for Bobby Turner. I'm rooting for Chris Furster. I'm rooting for Leonard Hankerson. I'm rooting for Daryl Tapp. Guys that, you know, all played here, coached here, that I got to know, got to work with, you know, just saw them a couple of weeks ago. Those are my guys. I'm rooting for them. I just don't think they're going to win. What about you? 301-230-0980. Time for a quick trending alert, and then we'll get to Dr. Sabah on the other side of the glass. And you... If you want to hop in on this Football Friday, Super Bowl 58, we've got some guests coming up. So, again, just fair warning, if you want to get in now, get in now. We'll try and get to you before we start the guest parade on this Football Friday on the Team 980, driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local 
Honda dealer. Let's give you a quick trending alert right here, right now. All right, let's start with this. A little bit of a surprise. How about Bill O'Brien, the former Texans head coach, the former Alabama offensive coordinator? He went back to the Patriots last year. That didn't work out. Took the Ohio State offensive coordinator job last month and now has put the reverse brakes on and is heading back to Beantown, but to be the head coach of the Boston College college football program. And that is not a done deal, but Pete Thamel of ESPN reporting that uh, Bill O'Brien is heading back to Beantown to become the new Boston College head coach. Wink Martindale out as Giants defensive coordinator after butting heads constantly with Brian Dable. Didn't get an NFL job, but instead he lands in Ann Arbor as the new defensive coordinator uh, for the national champion Michigan Wolverines. Mike Zimmer is the new head, uh, de- new new defensive coordinator, I should say, of the Dallas Cowboys. He beats out Rex Ryan and Ronald Eugene Rivera. And from baseball, two-time American League Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber has announced his retirement, ending a 13-year career, three-time All-Star, and again Cy Young uh, in 2014 and 2017 with the Tribe. And that's what's trending. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, again, Super Bowl 58 right here. Team 980 pregame coverage by Westwood One on the Odyssey app and a 980 on your radio dial begins at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Game right around 625. 49ers favored again by two. A consensus two. Let me give you a couple of numbers and then we'll get right out to the calls. This is from Sumer Sports, which is Thomas Dimitrov's company, the former Falcon GM who provides analytics. Um, Dimitrov was on with us on Monday, right before the introductory Dan Quinn press conference. Excellent, excellent interview. Highly suggest you go and check it out. Uh, Maddie's got it all cut up for you on the team980.com, the podcast section. We're always archived by the full show and then individually uh, in chapters on the Odyssey app. But the 49ers have... An EPA, expected points added, it's a complicated formula, of 0.18 per play. That's first in the NFL. A 0.29 EPA per pass play, that's first in the NFL. A 0.04 rush EPA, that's first in the NFL. Obviously, they are tremendously balanced. And when they are clicking in on all cylinders, they are really, really difficult to beat. 
But the Brock Purdy that I've seen too much of is bad first half Brock Purdy, bad for a while Brock Purdy, bad three quarters Brock Purdy, shows some signs of life, maybe wakes up a little bit too late Brock Purdy. And against a really good defense, not a perfect defense, but a really good defense, that's where I worry. The teams that he struggled against for stretches, not really good on defense. Okay, not really good. The Chiefs, in terms of their defense, per play, 0.07. That's fifth in defensive per play EPA allowed. Again, the 49ers first on offense per play in EPA. The 49ers, uh, the Chiefs defense fifth. Per pass, a negative 0.10. That's fourth in the NFL for the Chiefs in EPA per pass play allowed. And here's where they kind of struggle. Remember we told you the 49ers, really good in terms of rush offense, and duh, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, so on and so forth, Kyle's scheme. The uh, the Chiefs are negative 0.02 EPA per rush play allowed, which is 28th in the NFL. I mean, it's as simple as this, right? I think everybody knows this, and we've had guests this week that have pointed this out. If the 49ers can run the ball with Christian McCaffrey over and over and over and over and over and over again, and if Brock Purdy doesn't kill them, and if Brock Purdy can get into a rhythm, the 49ers should be able to score 27, 28 points, even against a good Chiefs defense. More numbers coming up throughout the show. Let's get you aboard on the program. Right here is Dr. Sabah in the leadoff spot. Doc, how are you? Hey, Chris, just excited about the weekend. I hate that it's going to be over soon. Yeah. uh, Yeah. One one last game, and then we're going to be forced to watch college basketball. Yeah, no, I've been enjoying the women. I watched uh, the Virginia Tech yesterday, and I saw Caitlin Clark yesterday, and I saw NC State. I was just just taking a gratuitous cheap shot at college basketball. My my fault. I watched watched Caitlin Clark against Maryland last Saturday night. She tore it up. Pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. She was impressive last night, too. Yeah. Um, if only my daughter was six foot. Mm. Anyway, all right. Then you know what happens? You get the genetic lottery, the genetic lottery, right? And then I told my daughter she got the genetic poverty. <laughs> That's the difference. But I'm bumped. Anyhow, okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, I've been thinking about this. Been thinking about this. First of all, I really don't like the cheap shots you keep talking about, Purdy. Talking about, well, he played poorly in the end. You know, he made a few plays here and there. No, he made clutch plays against uh, Green Bay and against Denver. I mean, not Denver, Detroit. And you were talking about how um, uh, Green Bay should have won that game. No, because their quarterback, who everybody has deemed is the answer, screwed up. And pooped on himself when it mattered most. Well, wait, wait a second. I didn't say I didn't say he was perfect. I didn't say Jordan. I, and I, I said Green, I said Green Bay made some mistakes too, and that's yes, ultimate. But you expect Green Bay to make mistakes. They were seven seed. San Francisco was the well, one don't seed. You expect Purdy to make mistakes. He's a freaking like almost rookie. I understand that, but he also season. has more experience right now playing than Jordan Love does. And Jordan Love was but, on the road. And Jordan Love didn't even have one of his best receivers in that game for crying out loud. Okay. Uh, okay, but God forbid, uh, Debo Sammy get hurt. See, he can't win without well, Daniel. That's fair. That's fair. You always talk out both sides of your your mouth. Why is it after that Green Bay game, everybody says pay the man for Jordan Love, but everybody said including Kevin Shit. Oh, if 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 um, San Francisco doesn't win the Super Bowl, they'll be looking for a quarterback. And 
makes no sense to me. So well, anyway, that, but, but their head coach basically did that last offseason. Kyle went after Tom Brady. But that was before. If you have a chance to get Tom Brady, you bench Joshua Allen. You take Lamar Jackson off the court. You take whoever off for Tom Brady. Yes, that's Tom Brady. That's fair. My God. I can't argue you? with that you. That has now. nothing to do with Purdy. That's Tom Brady. That's not It's not a Purdy issue. You'd be dumb enough to take Tom Brady. Okay, so here we go. So here's my theory. So what did Kansas City do to Buffalo? A one-dimensional team. They love passing. They made them run. Then what did they do to Lamar? A run team. They made him a passer. Neither could do it. What are they going to do against San Francisco? They can run and pass. Yes, Purdy can pass. They can run and pass. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing something like uh, 24, 21, 27, you know, 20. Three kind of game, San Francisco on top. All right, so so I, I think you make some really good. I think you make some really good points. But just dialing back to Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Buffalo was yeah. able to run against Kansas City, and a lot of that was Josh Allen, you know, extending plays. Uh, but yeah. but not all of it. And they had opportunities. The they that. had opportunities in the passing game. They didn't connect. Uh-huh. So to your right. point, that, if San Francisco, yeah. if San Francisco is operating and executing at a high level. On both right. in both areas, yes. Again, exactly. they should be able to score twenty eight points and probably win. And and Kansas City does not win if they don't score twenty one. All the games they've, uh, um, uh, I know they only had to score seventeen against um, Baltimore because Baltimore could not pass. So they have a quarterback who can't pass, and I hope they keep him for a long, long time because mm-hmm. they will never win a Super Bowl with that guy. Okay, but uh, normally you want to keep Kansas City to, uh, to below twenty one. That's sort of. I, I, I hear you, Doc. I got to run because we're up against it and a hard break. We've got Tyler Fulgham from ESPN and ESPN joining uh, ESPN Bet, I should say, joining us next as we look ahead at the Super Bowl and that line that we keep talking about. All right, with you on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. And, of course, Super Bowl 58 quickly approaching in Las Vegas on Sunday. Joining us now from ESPN and ESPN Bet is Tyler Fulgham, uh, a sports betting analyst and host. Uh, does a great job, obviously, breaking everything down as we get set for the Super Bowl. Of course, check out ESPN Bet for all of your Super Bowl betting needs. Tyler, thank you very much for your time. How are you, pal? I'm doing great, Chris. I appreciate you having me on and excited to talk about uh, some ways to wager the big game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Let's start with this. Uh, Opening line was two. I think it dipped all the way down to one last week, and now it seems to be most books up back up to two. Are you surprised where it opened the action so far and where it seems to be heading? Not surprised where it opened. Um, I understand the math and the power ratings behind San Francisco being viewed as the superior team based on what they showed all season. I am surprised, though, and I wonder if this will change as we get closer to kickoff and more public money comes in, um, if there'll be some steam on the Chiefs. Because the average, you know, Joe Schmo better, not the Sharps, not the pros who are strictly by the numbers, are going to say, wait a second, Patrick Mahomes is the underdog? This guy's won two Super Bowls. He was the underdog in Buffalo, winning and beat right. Josh Allen. He's the underdog in Baltimore, winning and beat Lamar Jackson. I'll take those points with Patrick Mahomes. So we might see some late steam that gets it up to two, two and a half. I don't know if it'll touch three because that's such a key number. If it does, it'll be hammered back down. 
um, to two and a half or two. But I was, I'm a little surprised to see, um, you know, the uh, money going the way of the uh, San Francisco 49ers earlier. But now it seems like it's kind of creeping Kansas City's way and maybe we'll get closer to a pick em, I should say, um, than a, a three-point spread. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of like what I expected, especially when that line moved from two down. to I th- Again, I think it got down to as much as one uh, in some books, uh, of course, depending on where uh, you looked at it last week. But now it's kind of back up there. So um, I, 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 I'm I, with you. I think that number should be closer to a pick em or, or maybe one or maybe, a, you know, look, you want to do a half point, what, whatever you got to do. Yeah, uh, I, I, people are going to do what they want to do. Yeah, I, I, again, it's just one of those things that's going to be so comfortable for the um, viewer to say, wait a second, Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. All he's done is win right. in his career, 9-3 and three straight up as an underdog. Never lost um, against the number as an underdog on a road or neutral side. He was an underdog in the Super Bowl last year, and that paid off for you. So, again, I don't think it'll get to a pick. Uh, you know, half a point is inconsequential. I'm seeing one and a half right now at ESPN bet, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of where we end up come kickoff. Uh, Tyler Fulgham with us uh, from ESPN and ESPN Bet. Uh, so speaking of Mahomes, I know you did a spot on SportsCenter, I believe it was earlier this week, talking about quarterback props. And of course, that's where most of our attention is. And you were mentioning uh, Patrick Mahomes under uh, a half an interception, right? And minus 115, yep. I think, were the odds that I saw. And you cited a couple of numbers or the graphic did, you know, no interceptions in the last four playoff games, 132 straight attempts, seven interceptions in his playoff career, 625 plus attempts. How much trends and stats do you use strictly to base what you're going to bet on? Meaning, how much of a gut feel do you use versus just purely the evidence and the track record and the back of the baseball card type stuff? I would say it's about 80, 85% the trends, the numbers, the statistical matchup and how, you know, if we simulated this game a thousand times, what would happen? Projections is the term used in um, our industry. And then 10, 15% for feel like, wait a second, does this feel like for Brock Purdy, who has been great all season long, can an algorithm, can projections factor in the nerves of playing in your first ever Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. No, it can't. Uh, so uh, do I dock him a little bit? Category for the potential of the magnitude of the situation to affect him at least early in the game? Yes, I do. So I would say it's about 80, 85%, you know, strictly by projections and then leave a little wiggle room for that human element that numbers can't quite quantify. Well, one of those props is Purdy under one and a half touchdown passes, meaning, yep. he'll, you know, if, if you're if you're taking that, uh, you know, he'll only throw one touchdown pass or none. And you cite the Chiefs have, you know, of course, we all know they're great defense. They only allowed four quarterbacks, two plus, uh, you know, touchdowns. You know what I've always found, Tyler, and I'm curious from your perspective, if you found like just when we think we have a beat on this game, like I'm pretty convinced Kansas City's going to win this game. I'm pretty convinced Patrick Mahomes is is going to be on the right side of that prop that we just discussed, not throwing more than one interception. I'm pretty convinced that Brock Purdy is going to struggle in this game and then it completely flips. And that's where I always lose. And that's why I guess they make these prop bets. Yeah, uh, that's how you should be betting, though. You should be developing a game script. How how you think the game's going to yeah. play out? Who's going to win? Are there going to be a lot of points? Is it going to be a defensive struggle? What's the final score going to be? And then once you have that set in your mind based on what you think, then you can start 
filling in the chapters of that game script. All right, if it's a high-scoring game, well, then that means Mahomes and Purdy are probably trading blows. So I'd probably go over on their passing attempts. I'd probably go over on their passing yards, over on their touchdowns. But if I think these defenses are going to make some plays, if I think the Chiefs are going to jump out early, that probably means that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be used a lot in the second half to run the clock out. And that means Brock Purdy is going to be dropping back to throw because he's playing in catch-up mode. So develop a game script and then fill in the chapters of that book, so to speak, with the props that realistically or logically align with how we get to that final outcome. No, I, I love it. And for for my audience, we know Chase Young pretty well around here. So if you're looking at a prop mm. with a Pacheco, I've been saying this all week, go over. Whatever the prop is, whatever you can get it at, <laughs> go over. Because I think, I think Kansas City is going to try and isolate that matchup and run right at Chase Young. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And a lot of my um, colleagues here at ESPN, Aaron Dolan, Joe Fortenbaugh, agree that both teams are going to try and establish the run and which team is going to be more effective at doing so. The Chiefs have surprisingly been a, a better run defense than the 49ers this year, and Isaiah Pacheco has been absolutely nails for this team in the postseason. He's handled a heavy workload, and he's delivered efficiency um, within that. So um, there is a lot of smart people I trust who think that the same along the same lines that the Chiefs and Andy Reid are going to try and run the football at a 49ers defense that has been susceptible all postseason long against Green Bay and Detroit on the ground. So if you think that is a game script that comes to fruition, Pacheco over attempts, Pacheco over rushing yards, I think it's only like 64, 65 and a half. So that's pretty reasonable, uh, something to attack. Yeah, and, and if there was a broken tackles or a missed tackles prop, I would take whatever the over is on San Francisco because they've been bad, as you mentioned, uh, in the playoffs. All right, before we run out of time, Tyler Fulgham from uh, ESPN mm-hmm. and the ESPN bet with us. Uh, as we approach Super Bowl 58, you get all these ridiculous props. I mean, there's so many, I, I can't <laughs> even keep track. Is there one absurd one that you just go look at and you say, like, that's so absurd I can't even think about touching that. Oh, can't even think about. T- I thought you were asking me an absurd one that I wanted to jump on. All right. Well, um, well, give me, give me that, give me that one too. <laughs> uh, okay. The, the absurd one that I kind of want to jump on just for fun. Again, small pizza money, beer money bet, so to speak. And I, of course, have to get in the Taylor Swift um, category of wagering. There is an ESPN bet prop called Swift Action. And it's basically um, a touchdown to occur within the first two minutes of the game. It's 12 to 1, which likely isn't even great mathematical odds based on realistic probability of a touchdown occurring in the first two minutes. But it's fun because you'll be gratification if it happens. Touchdown early in the game, which is always fun to see. A big play is likely what it's going to take. So um, that's my favorite one that is probably not a good bet, but I'm going to make this for fun. One that I would never touch, um, you know, just because it's so absurd, is the opening coin toss. I mean, unless you can find a sports book, and ESPN Bet does this, that provides you even odds on both sides, then go ahead and bet that. But if you're having to lay juice, minus 110, minus 105 on heads, minus 110, minus 105 on tails, you are literally being stolen from by the sports book. So that's just a PSA out there to our viewers. Unless it's even odds on both sides, do not bet the coin toss, which is still – you know, not a worthwhile wager. I like it. Tyler, thank you so much. I know you got to run. Appreciate all, all the insight. We'll be watching you on ESPN uh, and uh, betting the game on ESPN Bet. Appreciate you. No problem. Enjoy the game, everyone. All right, that's Tyler Fulgham from ESPN, ESPN Bet. We'll take a time out here at the top of the hour. Gary Myers, longtime NFL journalist and author on a book about the New York Giants and we'll preview Super Bowl 58 with Gary coming up next right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.
Mark, good to have you with us in the nation's capital and beyond. Three minutes after 2 o'clock on this football Friday on the Team 980. It is driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. So while we concentrate on Super Bowl 58, I was just thinking, you know, I started falling in love with the NFL watching the New York Giants as a kid growing up on Long Island win a Super Bowl way back in 1980. Well, I guess it was 87 uh, in the 86 season. And, you know, growing up reading the New York Daily News and, and, and hearing uh, about a, a gentleman named Gary Myers and then getting to work with him for a brief little bit. Uh, and uh, I thought, hey, you know what? If only somebody wrote a book about that Super Bowl team and all that they went through, well, that would be a good guest to have on a Friday before the Super Bowl. What do you know? Gary Myers wrote a book about that giant team called Once a Giant, A Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football. It's out and has been out, uh, available on Amazon and wherever you get your books. And Gary joins us now on the BetQL Guest Hotline. Gary, how are you? Good to have you aboard. As long as you didn't say, you know, I read you when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, well, I hear that all the time. You I'm know, like, oh, I feel so old. I, I was a young man, Gary. Uh, you know, I'm 50 now, so I was. Oh, you were a kid when I was. Doing yeah, that. I, I guess I was what, 12, 13. So I can't remember exactly. All I know is that year, you know, I, I mean, listen. The 86 Giants, I mean, they were a juggernaut, obviously. And I work now in Washington, D.C., and I've been, you know, of course, closely associated with the Redskins slash football team slash commanders for so long. It almost feels like a different lifetime ago. But what made you, I mean, besides all the great characters, Parcells and Lawrence Taylor and Phil Simms and all, what made you want to do this project, again, a little while after this team actually was atop the NFL world? Well, yeah, I mean, there were books that came out, you know, immediately after the Giants won that Super Bowl. And uh, now 37 years have passed. But my book is not, uh, you know, a play-by-play or even a game-by-game remembrance of that season. Uh, I got inspired to do this book because I wanted to write a book about life after football, mm-hmm. which is such a crucial issue for, you know, players – from that generation in the eighties. And, and it's a crucial issue for players today, you know, but back then they didn't have the protections they had now with the concussion protocol and much more information about head injuries. So um, I I wanted to go back and just kind of do a health check Mm -hmm. and uh, a life check on how these players were doing, you know, nearly four decades, complete four decades after they won a championship together. And, I knew I, I knew some of the stories, not to the degree that I was able to write about it, but I, I knew some of the stories be, before I started doing my research. And, you know, once I did my research, it, it kind of blew me away. And uh, the book is, you know, has a lot of heartbreaking stuff in it, but there's a lot of heartwarming stuff, too. And I wanted to balance it off, Chris, with, you know, how this team became a brotherhood and how the bond is still really strong today. And if a player needs assistance from his former teammates, mm-hmm. Harry Carson, who considers himself captain for life, kind of rounds up the troops and, and they come and, and, and help a guy, whether it's getting him to a doctor or trying to get him some money if he's having financial problems. But, you know, that's a, that's a really unique part of this team is how they really stay tight 
for 37 or so years now. Yeah, there's so many interesting stories, you know, and, and in some ways it's not exactly the same, but it, it kind of reminds me of some of what the 86 Mets in baseball went through, although I don't think they had the brotherhood that the 86 Giants no. ultimately had. They were more about explosive firecracker person, but so so much yeah. success on the field, but so many issues off, and obviously everybody knows Lawrence Taylor, Gary, right? And everybody knows how dominant he was on the field, what he did for defenses, what he did for Parcells, Belichick, so on and so forth, how he changed the game, but also how many demons he has. And I don't know Lawrence, like you know, Lawrence, um, I mean, obviously you chronicle that as part of the book. How is he received, you know, all, all these many years later still, is he, uh, you know, because he was, from what I remember, a pretty difficult personality to deal with at times. Well, he was, um, uh, are you talking about like media-wise or? Uh, uh, well, by his teammates and, and and also, you know, just in general by the people that, that were around him, I guess, media-wise too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Parcells and Belichick loved him, right. and his teammates loved him um, because, despite all the extracurricular stuff, you know, away from the field, you know, getting addicted to cocaine and all that, he, he never brought it to the locker room, and there was never a time that his, the players thought that he was under the influence of playing or that he didn't give a hundred percent because he was a high energy guy. Mm-hmm. The the interesting part of, of how people react to him is really the, the fans, Chris, um, who know all about his shortcomings and, and issues, drugs, alcohol, uh, women, a, a lot of that, that um, kind of, Tainted somewhat. That's not even a strong enough word. Um, his life after football for a long period of time, that he was always in trouble. He was getting arrested for cocaine. He got pulled over for DWI. He got arrested for being with an under, underage prostitute in a hotel room in Rockland County, outside of the city. But the last, you know, four or five years, he's really tried to straighten himself out, right. and from all indications, he has. But what I was going to say about the fans is the fans are aware of everything. Yeah. It's, it's Lawrence Taylor, and he's written about it a lot. But anytime he comes back for you know a reunion or somebody gets into the Ring of Honor or when he got into the Ring of Honor, standing ovation. Yeah. Uncon- unconditional yeah. love. Yeah. Because of what he meant to the team, and you know you, you wonder, you know, what do, should should fans boo him should they give him the cold shoulder because of the kind of person he was for for many years or they, well the answer is they they choose to just remember him for yeah. his contributions on the football field well, well you know and, and maybe this isn't the best comparison but Dexter Manley was a a huge part of obviously the glory days of the Washington Redskins and Dexter of course had you know off the field but but he's you know he's still a, a hero and an icon around here just because somebody mm-hmm. struggles with personal demons and whatever you know doesn't mean that they should be exiled if you will forever and and I well, I thought if I, I can just... Yeah. Let me just jump in and say this. It, it's one thing if the only thing he did was hurt himself. That's true. That's true. But, and for the most part, that's what he was doing. You know, and uh, he was doing drugs while he was playing. I mean, he hurt the team when he got suspended for the first four games in 1988. Um, and then his post-football life, the only thing on record where he, you know, his actions 
really impacted somebody else was with the underage prostitution. You know, the, the rest of the stuff, you know, thank goodness when he's gotten his DWIs, nobody's gotten hurt. And certainly somebody could have. Right. Um, so, uh, but again, when, when I when I met with him to interview him for the book in April of 2022, and then I saw him about five months later at a Giants game, he, he really seemed healthier and happier Good. Good. than at any point other point that I had seen him since he retired. So he, he realizes the bad stuff that he did, and um, uh, if he regrets it, he doesn't really say it. But you'd have to think that if he had to do it all over again, because I asked him, what would he say to himself now? You know, the 65-year-old Lawrence Taylor, what would he say to the 22-year-old Lawrence Taylor who just, you know, arrived in New York uh, after being picked in the draft by the Giants? He'd say, stay away from drugs, which is what he tells everybody now. So. Gary Myers with us, longtime uh, NFL writer and uh, has done it very well at the top of the mountain for a long time in New York City, a very tough media market, as uh, you can imagine. Author of Once a Giant, of course, the story inside the Super Bowl champion New York Giants back in 1986, the first of their two championships with Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. And that leads us, of course, before we get to Super Bowl 58, Gary, Mm -hmm. A, obviously Belichick wrapping up his run in New England. Um, he didn't get a job. Apparently the commanders talked to him at the last second that didn't necessarily push the needle, uh, but didn't get a job was close. Maybe in Atlanta. Do you think, um, and, and maybe I'm asking you to guess, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we know how difficult the relationship was at times between Parcells and Belichick. Do you think if things go wrong for Dable, uh, with the giants this year, that there's a chance that Bill Belichick could wind up coaching the giants again and, and like, like it happening for real. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that it's a possibility. Um, he loves the Giants. A- anybody who saw that Football Life documentary um, that was done about 10, 12 years ago, the love he expressed for the Giants was unconditional, and, except when he played him in the Super Bowl twice and, and lost. Which is um, amazing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when I interviewed him for my book, he, you know, he he enhanced that. You know, he. He furthered the story somewhat on, on why he feels that way. Um, would he come back? I think, first of all, I just want to say, there's no doubt in my mind he still wants to coach. He wants those 15 victories to pass Shula. And just as important, he wants to win a Super Bowl without mm-hmm. Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Because fair or not, the narrative has really changed on who's responsible, who, who should get the most credit in New England. And the narrative changed in the four years that they were apart. Brady and Belichick, you know, Tom won a Super Bowl in his first year in Tampa, and, and Bill struggled in his last four years in New England. And people said, well, that just proves it was all Brady. I, I don't think that's fair. Um, it really has nothing to do in the 20 years, nothing to do with the 20 years they had together. Um, and, and it's just too easy to say, well, it was all Brady because he won without Bill. But to answer your question, I think he would come back to the Giants. Uh, I'd also think he would go to Dallas, which is where I thought he would be coaching mm. in 2024. Mm. I can't believe Jerry Jones brought back Mike McCarthy mm. to uh, lose in the first or second round again <laughs> this coming season because you know that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, um, I just thought it was a perfect match. You know, Belichick, a win now coach, Jerry Jones, a win now owner, supposedly, 
and and a roster that's built to win now. It, it seemed like a perfect marriage at this point in both of their lives. And, you know, Christian, you hear, well, you know, nobody wanted to hire Belichick because he wanted too much control. He wanted too much power. He wanted to redo the front office. I can tell you this. I sat next to Belichick at a um, Hall of Fame meeting in um, in 2020. Mm-hmm. It was a couple of days after they had lost in what turned out to be Brady's last game. They lost a playoff game to Tennessee. And a couple of years earlier, the Giants had just hired Joe Judge. But a couple of years earlier, they hired Pat Shermer. So I said to Bill, you know, two years ago, would you have come back? Um, because there's a lot of stories, if you remember, about all this discontent in the yep. going on in the Patriots, yeah. you know, Belichick and Brady fighting over Garoppolo and all that stuff. And what he said to me was, at this point in his life, he didn't have the desire to go somewhere and rebuild the front office, which is what the Giants needed to do, and they wound up doing a couple of years later. But Bill just said he didn't have it in him to do that. Mm. So now when I hear people say, well, you know, he didn't go to Atlanta because he wanted complete control, I don't. I just don't think that's true. And then you hear the, the, the excuse, well, you know, he's only going to coach two or three years. Well, first of all, how many coaches now coach more than two or three years before they get yeah. fired? Yeah. And secondly, if, if he goes and coaches two or three years and in one of those years wins the championship. It's worth it. You throw him a parade yeah. and, and a retirement yeah. party. No, you're not the only person, Gary, that has said he didn't want complete control. We had a guest on, I can't remember who exactly it was, that said Mm -hmm. exactly the same thing. So I I think uh, very much, no no surprise, that you're on to something there. The great Gary Myers is with us at Gary Myers, uh, M-Y-E-R-S, New York, or N-Y, I should say, uh, on Mm -hmm. X or Twitter. Of course, make sure you get the book. It's available on Amazon, Once a Giant, the story about, uh, you know, the story about the 1986 Super Bowl champions and, of course, what they dealt with in their life uh, afterwards. We're just talking about uh, Bill Belichick uh, and so on. Now, speaking uh, of of Super Bowls and and, and all of that stuff, um, you have this Super Bowl coming up on Sunday in Las Vegas. I can't imagine, Gary, there was a time you thought we'd actually be playing the biggest game of the NFL calendar in Sin City, right? No. (laughs) The NFL – until uh, the Supreme Court came up with that ruling, it was like four years ago yeah. or whatever, uh, on gambling, uh, the NFL was so petrified oh, yeah. of Las Vegas and gambling. Tony Romo was supposed to have a fantasy football league convention in Vegas, and they threatened him with with uh, fines, and any player who attended was going to get fines. So they had to cancel it. And in that period of time since, they put a team in Vegas. They've had two Pro Bowls in Vegas, a draft in Vegas, and now a Super Bowl in Vegas. And it all comes down to money. Oh, yes. You know, the NFL is very good at making money, but they're also (laughs) – the hypocrisy of the NFL is just astounding. Mm -hmm. Um, Until until the Supreme Court makes that ruling, gambling and betting was going to destroy the NFL. And as soon as the ruling comes down, it's, oh, FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, you Mm want to be business partners with us? Sure. How much do you want to pay us? So it's all a bunch of – fill in the blank you yep. know um and, and what's ironic is romo's on the call of the of the game on sunday night and, and now yeah. of course everybody hates him but romo's on the call <laughs> of, of of the game sunday night in vegas after really that big fiasco and i remember that pretty well started the whole damn thing yeah i can tell you this for a fact 
that 20 years ago when the NFL Network was starting up and Steve Bornstein was in charge of it. Remember the old ESPN sure, guy? Sure. He was at ABC. He wanted to base the NFL Network in Las Vegas because he thought it would be the confluence of sports and entertainment, and that was the best place to do it. Mm. I can't mention who, to you who told me this, but it was a very, very high-ranking official in the NFL office who everybody knows really well who told me I had gone out to lunch with him, and he says, can you believe where that blankety-blank Bornstein wanna put, <laughs> wanted to put the NFL Network? And I said, where? He said, where's the one place we would never do anything like that? I said, well, Las Vegas. And he goes, of course. And now, look, 20 years later. Unbelievable. The That's... sports world has converged on, on Las Vegas, and, and, and Roger Goodell, the commissioner, is singing its praises as invitation-only press conference on Monday. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean that guy's uh, that guy's interesting. I don't know how well you know him, but that guy uh, is interesting. Uh, Gary Meyer's book is "Once a Giant: A Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football." Again, about the '86 Super Bowl champions and their lives afterwards, including Lawrence Taylor, Bill Belichick, Phil Simms, Mark Bavaro, so many uh, great giant Carl Banks, uh, and, and everything Harry Carson, everything uh, in between. Get it now. Available on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Um, so who? Uh, you know, from a football standpoint, I like the Chiefs. I don't know if I'm overreacting to what they did against Baltimore, but I had them in Buffalo. I doubted them against the Chiefs, against the Ravens in Baltimore, and now I can't pick against them. Plus, I look at what the 49ers have looked like really, Gary, since Christmas night, and it wasn't just that night. I saw them in person a week later here in Washington. I know that team really well. I've seen them in the two playoff games. They just haven't looked good. Am I overreacting to recency bias, in your opinion? No, because I I think that um, that's the best thing to go on is how a team is playing, you know, down the stretch of the season and then in the playoffs. And they easily the Niners easily could have lost to the Packers, and they definitely should have lost to the Lions. Um, whereas, the, and they had a much better regular season than the Chiefs. But in the playoffs, you know, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins in uh, in Kansas City on that really cold night. And then, um, you know, I did not think they were going to win in, Bal- in in Buffalo, and I didn't think they were going to win in Baltimore. But uh, they've played their best football right now. And that's what you want. And, you know, I look back to some past, like some giant Super Bowls where, uh, especially the year they beat the Patriots when the Patriots were undefeated, the Giants were just 10 and 16 during the regular season and then got caught fire in the playoffs and were playing great uh, by the time they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and they beat them. So I think there, there is a lot of credence that should be given to how these teams are playing coming in to the Super Bowl. That being said, the stakes are enormous, the biggest they can be in the NFL. Uh, two weeks to prepare. It's just so hard to predict what's going to happen in a Super Bowl. Um, I, I will say this. I think the game will come down to how many turnovers that Brock Purdy have. If, if he plays a clean game, I think the Niners have more talent than the Chiefs, especially at the skill positions offensively. And their defenses are, I think the Niners' defense is a little bit better, although they did not look good against the Lions. But I'm picking the Chiefs only because 
I can't imagine Patrick Mahomes losing to Brock Purdy. But I came up with a, a comparison, and I know it's a really long answer, but if you remember it in 2001, the Super Bowl after that season, it was Tom Brady, who it was in his second year and was a sixth-round pick, against Kurt Warner, mm-hmm. who had already won a Super Bowl. And now it's and, and obviously the Patriots won the Super Bowl, and now it's Brock Purdy, a seventh-round pick, the last pick in the draft, as everybody knows, in his second year against Patrick Mahomes, who's a multi-Super Bowl champion and MVP. Mm. So to me, there's a, you know, it's kind of like a parallel course there. Yeah, a little symmetry. Yeah, so before we totally write off and say, well, <clears throat> Mahomes can't lose, lose to Purdy, like I just said two seconds ago, um, he's got a great quarterback coach slash head coach in Kyle Shanahan, and if they can minimize his mistakes, they got a great chance to win the game. I'm actually a little – if you're a Niners fan, I'm actually a little more concerned about Kyle Shanahan mm. than about Brock Purdy because mm. Shanahan was calling the plays in the 28-3 game. The Falcons blew that lead, mm-hmm. and he, 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 he mismanaged the end of that game. Sure. They had a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl in the fourth Four quarter. Four years ago, sure. Chiefs, yeah. Right? They had a 10-point lead, I think, in the fourth quarter against the Rams in an NFC Championship mm-hmm. game. The year the Rams won the Super Bowl. So I don't necessarily trust Kyle Shanahan down the stretch of a of a game like this. And until he proves he knows how to close it out, then he hasn't proven it. Well, that's a great point. I, I, I guess that that's not really the, the na- super narrative, but it makes sense as you outlined it. All right, one last quick one, and uh, yeah. unfortunately i got to squeeze you here. Uh, Dan Quinn hired as commander's head coach. You like the move? You don't like the move? I would have liked to move a lot more before they lost to the Packers. Mm. I mean, it's really hard to sell a guy who just gave up 48 points in his last game in a game that everybody thought the team was going to win. But he really did a nice job there um, in three years as the Cowboys' defensive coordinator. But, you know, if if I'm a a Washington Commanders fan, I'm going, all right, we just got rid of a coach who was a defensive coordinator who had been to a Super Bowl with his previous team and lost. And we just hired a coach who's been a defensive coordinator who got to a Super Bowl with his previous team and lost. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that Ron Rivera and Dan Quinn are the same person. But the, um, the profile is exactly the same. And I would have thought they would have hired an offensive coach. And who knows what happened with Ben Johnson. Right. Um, I thought they would have hired an offensive coach because they're going to draft a quarterback and they – that's going to be the most important thing is to be able to coach that guy up. And Dan Quinn's a defensive coach. I mean, Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Not an easy name to say, trust me. Yeah. I bumbled over it all week. I mean, he just – where has he won? Yeah. You know, hey, he, hadn't um, won a lot. Uh, he hadn't won a lot is, is, is the answer to your question right there. There you go. Yeah. No, and, and you know what? That's the what the sentiment – I now – I mean, I wish I had more time because I'd love to talk more with you about this. But, I mean, I have a different feeling. But the sentiment you just outlined is how most of the fans feel. So, you know, it'll be up to Dan Quinn and Adam Peters to prove them wrong. And Josh Harris as well, you know. Yeah, I I think that Dan Quinn comes with rave reviews from the Cowboys defensive players, which is obviously a plus. I know him a little bit. And uh, I like him very much personally. He's a great guy. He's he's supposed to be a tremendous leader. Yep. And I think the arrow is pointing up 
strictly because there's another guy sitting in the owner's office now, and how can it be any worse? That helps. That helps. Quinn was excellent on the show yesterday for everybody that missed that live. Go back and listen to it on the Odyssey. Go back and listen to that, yeah. <laughs> he was tremendous. I love him. Uh, Gary, I love you, too. You're great. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, and excellent job, obviously, uh, with the book. And uh, I, as soon as things calm down, I'm going to get my – uh, the problem is I've got about four or five books that I'm uh, I, I'm sitting oh, on here, my, so I've got a lot of summer reading to do. <laughs> Chris, mine's got to be the top of the list. But the the good thing about it, if I can just say this one thing, um, you don't have to be a Giants fan by any means, an NFL fan, to want to read this book because it really touches on the human aspect of athletes. And once they, as I say in the book, you know, once the confetti is on the ground, people forget about them. And this really humanizes these guys that, um, and what they what they're going through after playing such a violent violent mm-hmm. sport and beating up their bodies, at some point they pay the price. And this generation of players, whether it's the '86 you know Redskins as they were known then, or the '86 Cowboys or whoever, uh, they're all going through the same stuff. And it, it, some of it is really heartbreaking. Yeah. No doubt about it. I look forward very much to uh, reading it again when things calm down a little bit. Uh, I will carve through it because, again, growing up uh, on Long Island and a big fan uh, of what Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick and the Giants put together uh, and, uh, you know, look very much forward to it. Uh, Gary, always great to have you on. Great to catch up with you the other day on the phone as well. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, and we'll talk again real soon, okay? Take care, Chris, and um, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. That's Gary Myers. Again, once a Giant – Available now on Amazon. And like you said, it's not just about one team and a couple of players that you might have hated as a Redskins fan. It's about the perseverance through life. Champion and then what you deal with afterwards. And so many great stories and so many big names. And, you know, we only were able to concentrate on a couple of them. Um, You know, there and obviously chose the biggest ones with Lawrence Taylor and Bill Bill Belichick uh, and so on and so forth. But you get the point. Uh, Read the book, Once a Giant, available now from the uh, great Gary Myers. And, of course, he wrote or he was partnering with Robert Griffin III. Now, he he did address that just so everybody knows with Kevin yesterday. So I'll point you to that. Uh, Basically, um, you know, that deal broke apart, uh, you know, and, and, um, you know, just – Robert's got his thing, and he can explain all that and, you know, all that. So we just didn't want to waste all the time. We had better questions to ask uh, in terms of that. So I just want to make that clear. All right, 2.30, we went long. Uh, We will take a break, get back on track here, right here on a football Friday on the Team 980. It is driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Across center will dump in out of the Florida zone. A deflection into the slot away from Forsling. Mantha picked it up. Centered now on a cross. Ovechkin scores! Alex Ovechkin knuckles one through Bobrovsky. It's a power play goal. Ovechkin with goals in three straight. And it's one. Nothing. Washington. Uh, you hear John Walton on the call last night on 106.7 The Fan, Caps Radio Network, and the Odyssey app. Goal number 800 
and 33 on his brilliant career. And as John mentioned, and as we talked about yesterday when we did this feature yesterday in advance of the Florida game, hey, you know what? The one thing that might be able to carry the Capitals into a playoff spot, and boy, do they need help, is Alex Ovechkin going on an absolute tear. And now that's three goals in three games. We were talking about this exact scenario yesterday, 11 on the year. 833 on his career, but not good enough for the Capitals to win in Florida. Not that we were expecting them to. They lose 4-2 to the Florida Panthers. Off to Boston tomorrow afternoon, Vancouver on Sunday. Alex Ovechkin's chase of 895, and the great one is presented by a uh, Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local, put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com. Dot com for more information. I know we have a couple of calls on hold. Guys, hang tight. We will get to you. we got to get back on track. Thanks to Gary Myers. Good conversation uh, there as well. Uh, Tyler Fulgham in the end of the first hour. So we've been guest heavy. We still have Kirk Morrison coming up from Las Vegas and his somewhat surprising Super Bowl pick and thoughts on Dan Quinn and the Commanders as well. But time for a quick trending alert, and then we'll uh, circle on back and get you aboard on the radio show, Graham. All right, so here's a twist. How about this? Bill O'Brien, who, of course, was allowed to leave the Patriots after they let go of Bill Belichick, agreed to become the Ohio State offensive coordinator, right? The former Houston Texans head coach and Alabama offensive coordinator. Well, now he's going back to Boston, to Boston College, to be their head coach. You know who's replacing him as the OC at Ohio State? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly wanted out of UCLA so bad that he was trying to get an NFL job, which made sense. But now he's leaving the head coaching position at UCLA to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Just a weird, wild, crazy twist uh, and turn. As we approach Super Bowl 58 Sunday in Las Vegas, of course, here Game day coverage, Team 980, and the Odyssey app at 2 o'clock. The game right around 6.30. If you missed Dan Quinn, Commander's Head Coach, uh, with us yesterday, it's available for you also on the Odyssey app and at the Team980.com slash uh, or in the podcast section, should say. And Jay Gruden broke down Super Bowl 58 with us uh, as well. Go check that out. And that's what's trending. right back with you on this football Friday on the Team 980, driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Uh, We've obviously been guest heavy. We uh, have Kirk Morrison, former NFL linebacker, uh, NFL media personality, radio, TV, college analyst. He'll tell you what the commanders should do at number two. In his opinion, and he's not alone. Let's just leave it uh, like that. What's that coming up at uh, 3.30, Manny, right? Is that what we uh, said? And then dum-dum of the day, and we'll wrap it up. So we have some time, actually, uh, to take your calls here. Just a quick note, in case you just missed the trending alert a couple of minutes ago. How about that? I mean, I wanted nothing to do with Chip Kelly, as we talked about last Friday on the show. And over the weekend, when Cliff Kingsbury became available, uh you know, we were all over that. We talked about that throughout the week and with Dan Quinn yesterday and so on and so forth. I wanted nothing to do with Chip Kelly. I've never been a Chip Kelly guy. I understand how much of an innovator he is on. This, 
listen, UCLA is not what it used to be, but this is a guy who just left the UCLA head job, and maybe he was going to get fired anyway. I don't know. I mean, it seems weird at this point that you would fire him, you know, a month after the season ended. But now he's leaving UCLA as the head coach to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Now, nobody would question that Ohio State's not a bigger profile spot than UCLA. And Chip, the the Chipmeister, only went 35 and 34 during his six seasons at UCLA. Again, Chip Kelly is not what people think he is. Never has been, never will be. But that is weird. I mean, to leave for an offensive coordinator spot in the NFL, different. I understand Ohio State is bigger and and badder, if you will, than UCLA. But A, it shows you how uncomfortable Chip Kelly was at UCLA, and also B, that UCLA was like, here, bye, see ya, take a downgrade. But, but, but oh, by the way, we're going to play you in the same conference. I, I Just weird, man. Oh, I've got to be missing something. Uh, just weird. And supposedly he was maybe going to get the Seattle OC job and didn't get that. And, you know, again, Bill O'Brien leaving Ohio State. He'd just gotten there. He goes back to Boston, but to the college game, Boston College. But that makes some sense. He was the head coach at Penn State uh, after the Joe Paterno scandal. He was the OC for the Nictator down in Alabama. Obviously, they didn't hire him. That makes a little bit of sense. This, I don't know, this is a head-scratcher for me. All right, let's get um, let's get uh, Jonesy aboard here on the Team 980. Jonesy, thanks for hanging in there. How are you? Chris, what's going on, what's man? What's up, Jonesy? How you doing today? What's yes, shaking? indeed. Hey, listen up, man. I don't know. I, you got folk out here betting against Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to pull it out again, man. I betted against him uh, plenty of times in the past. Lost out like Tom Brady. <laughs> he's, I mean, it's like this, he's the second coming of Tom Brady. I mean, this kid just knows how to win. Just when you think you can stop him from scoring, all he does is manages the clock and snuffs out the clock. If he has a lead on you, he'll beat you. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, right? Like, Like, maybe I'm putting too much faith in Patrick Mahomes. But it's not just Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. It's Mr. Taylor Swift. It's the Kansas City defense. (laughs) It's Steve Spagnuolo. It's Chris Jones. It's LeJarius Sneed. Like, I have all the respect in the world for Kyle and the 49ers on offense. But the one thing that I don't know about, quite honestly, is their offensive line outside of Trent Williams, one, not very good. And number two, Brock Purdy, I'm telling you, is very capable of putting a great first half together and a bad second half or a bad first half and a very good second half or a roller coaster of performance. There's a reason why he was drafted where he is. Not to even say that yep. first-round quarterbacks right. don't have performances like that, but Brock has them, quite honestly, more than people realize. Exactly, and I'm with you on that. 
He cannot come out there and go and get behind early because if he does, it's over, man. I mean, and yes, 49ers are loaded, but I think the weakest link is is not even Chase Young. It's, it's Brock Purdy. He can't come out there and have a bad first half. He just can't. If he ends up with that ball first, he got to pour it on and pour it on strong. But he cannot come out there and do what he did in, in, in the uh, Detroit game. If he does, boom, they'll, they'll be going. They'll be losing going away. I, 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 I agree. We, we asked Jay Gruden about, you know, how do you get him into a rhythm uh, yesterday, exactly. right? And, and swings yeah. and screens and, you know, like short passes. They tried to do that in that Green Bay playoff game two Saturday nights ago in the cold, wet rain in San Francisco. Obviously, weather won't be a factor. And they they threw like 12 passes to Christian McCaffrey in that game. You know what they didn't do, though? They didn't run the ball. They didn't try to run the ball a whole lot. And when they did, they had success with McCaffrey, who broke off that 42-yard touchdown run right up the middle, right? So to me, I think, yes, get Brock Purdy into a rhythm, slant, right. screens, um, you know, short little bubble passes, what have you. Easy throws, one read, one, you know, ISO type stuff. I'm with you on all of that. And if that's what Kyle Shanahan does, understood. But they absolutely need to get the run game going if he and that offensive line are going to have a chance against this Kansas City defense. Big time, Chris. And I'll let you go and listen, buddy. Appreciate you, Jonesy. (laughs) Have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. Take a quick timeout. We'll get back on track. Uh, We'll get to uh, Mitch and Jersey uh, coming up. I just found out. uh, I just did some reading. I wasn't aware of this. Uh, Ryan Day and Chip Kelly apparently grew up together, and they're like best friends. So that's why. Um, long time. I, well, I shouldn't say best friend, long time friend. And Ryan day was on his staff at New Hampshire. Uh, so they're both New Hampshire natives. Kelly coached day, uh, at New Hampshire. And then day worked for Kelly in the end. I, I, I totally forgot that my bad. So that, I mean, it's, it's still weird to go from the head coach to the offensive coordinator when you weren't fired on the same level of football and, oh, by the way, in the same conference now, right? Isn't UCLA, amongst others, joining the Big Ten? I think so. Kind of weird, right? But now it makes sense. I forgot about that connection between Chip Kelly and Ryan Day. So uh, just if anybody that wants to get all over my case about that, there you go. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980, you want to react to that? And what would a Super Bowl mean for Kyle Shanahan's legacy. He's the one that has the legacy in question, as Gary Myers just pointed out. Trent Williams, is his legacy in question? I don't think it is. We know Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's isn't. What is at stake for Kyle Shanahan? What will his legacy be if he can pull off the first Super Bowl win in his third appearance in a Super Bowl game? That's next on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, Kyle Shanahan as a head coach of the 49ers, and obviously it's his first head coaching stint, is 64 and 51. 
has been to the Super Bowl once as a head coach, the Super Bowl twice as a coach overall. Obviously, the Falcons under Dan Quinn, as we've talked about so much. Lost in two conference championship games, eight and three in the postseason. Again, second Super Bowl as a head coach coming up. Third overall, 64 and 51 as a head coach. Kyle Shanahan's 44 years old. If he wants to, he can coach for another 20 years at least. So maybe one day, one game isn't going to define his legacy. But you know how it rolls. If they lose this game as a favorite, because the odds makers know all, and there's no way they should lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Mr. Taylor Swift, then Kyle Shanahan is going to be looked at as a playoff failure by the idiots. And that's just not true. Does Kyle Shanahan need to win a Super Bowl to cement his legacy? Of course. Is his legacy set now? No. We know he's a great coach. He's arguably the best in the game. Arguably. I mean, I still have to give... Obviously, to Andy Reid, who he's going against. But if he wins one Super Bowl, that at least puts him out of that equation of, well, he's never won the big one. Oh, geez, Johnny, he blew a 28-3 lead. Oh, wait, that was Dan Quinn. Oh, wait, uh, let's find somebody else to blame that on. You see where I'm coming from? All right, let's get to um, let's get to Mitch in Jersey here before the top of the hour. Mitch, how are you, sir? Good, Chris. How you doing? Happy Friday. Yeah, there you go. Happy football Friday, Mitch. I, mean, I think it's going to be a great game, but on the Chip Kelly, I don't understand that. I mean, he, he's so fickle. I mean, he looks like a good coach, but somehow he screws up where he goes. The 49 job was a great job. She yeah. stayed in Oregon. How do you leave US? How do you leave the Pac-12? Excuse me, now it's the Big Ten going to Pac-2 now. Him and, like, Pete Carroll and even Jim Harper, I don't understand him. Well, like that, th- well, th- like well. Think about English. it this you way: he went to job. the he went to the um, Eagles. Right? Wait, hang on a second. He had think, he went to the Mitch, 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 Mitch. Hang on, hang on a second. I'm trying to make a point. He went to the Eagles, had immediate success, took the world by storm, and then screwed it up. Why? Because of his own arrogance and his own ego. They got to run the ball, and he's got he's got the, the troops to run the ball. And of course, the pads and the pads game is really good. Yeah. I think Boston have a great game. They have two sacks. I think uh, 49ers win it, Chris. Um, I can only hear you now. You have a nice weekend. All right. Thank you, Mitch. Appreciate it. Uh, Mitch thinks the 49ers are going to win. I mean, he's not the only one, but you have Sam Monson with Kevin Sheehan. Eh, Just Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus saying all of Radio Row's picking the 49ers. I mean, the Chiefs. Um, Again, we'll see what Kirk Morrison said. Gary Myers picked the Chiefs, but certainly – had a healthy re- look. We all have a healthy respect for the 49ers, right? Who doesn't? They are capable easily of winning this game, but the 49ers have to get full game Brock Purdy. They have to make sure Chris Jones and Steve Spagnuolo don't overload and kill them from left guard to right tackle, and they have to make sure that Christian McCaffrey is just not a a fun little toy extension of the run game, that they're actually running the ball because Christian McCaffrey is physical as you know what. 
People don't realize that about him. Christian McCaffrey is physical as you know what. More Super Bowl 58 coverage plus Kirk Morrison, NFL, uh, former NFL linebacker and NFL and college football analyst coming up from Vegas next hour as well. One more hour to go on this football Friday on the Team 980 driven by a local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer on the fla- on the Team 980. <laughs> Back in a flash on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, Kirk Morrison coming up uh, again at the bottom of the hour from Vegas. He's doing something cool with Lowe's Home Improvement uh, and helping out the less fortunate in Sin City, Las Vegas. Uh, We've been chatting a little bit about Chip Kelly leaving UCLA to become the Ohio State offensive coordinator. Again, he was the head coach at UCLA. Tells you everything you need to know there. And kind of the reason why we brought that up was because he was a option, and last Friday, everybody was abuzz. Oh, the chipster could be coming here. Let me tell you, I, I told you that day, I didn't want Chip Kelly. I didn't want Chip Kelly. Whatever Cliff Kingsbury is, Cliff Kingsbury is a, a hundred times more my choice than Chip Kelly. Now, maybe Chip Kelly wasn't a serious candidate after all. Maybe that was just smoke. Maybe that was just agent talk. I don't know. It was reported, though, nationally. I wanted nothing to do with Chip Kelly. Again, he doesn't value time of possession. He doesn't value anything to help the defense. He is Grant Paulson Jr., Leap the defense, try and score as many points as you can, and worry about nothing else. I wanted nothing to do with Chip Kelly here. Whether Cliff Kingsbury is the right guy, I don't know. But you know what? If Dan Quinn and if Adam Peters seriously considered Chip Kelly, if, we don't know, if they did, If they met with him, we don't know. Or if they said, nah, that's not our guy. No thanks, not interested. Even though he interviewed for the Raiders job a couple of times, the Seattle job, another job, I can't remember exactly who he met with. Even if he, doesn't matter. No thanks. For whatever reason, they didn't want to be on the Chipmobile. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Quinn. Thank you, Adam Peters. Thank you to whoever made that decision. If there was a decision to be made. And I suppose there was. I mean, certainly there was a decision to be made to say, no, Cliff Kingsbury is our guy. I had told you that Kellen Moore and... Clint Kubiak, who's going to be coaching in the Super Bowl this Sunday for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, were two chief options 
before they got other jobs, before Dan Quinn was even officially in the fold with the Washington Commanders. Kubiak to the New Orleans Saints. And Kellen Moore in division with the Philadelphia Eagles. So they weren't options anymore by the time Dan Quinn officially got the job. So he moved on to Kingsbury. Again, was it Kingsbury versus Chip Kelly? I don't know. Brian Johnson, who we said, oh, it was kind of weird that, you know, they they just kind of they threw that name out there last Saturday. And then by Sunday night, they had Kingsbury in the fold after he had pulled out of Vegas. Well, then Brian Johnson gets added to the staff. So it's like they have two offensive coordinators for the price of what? Well, not for the price of one, but two offensive coordinators joining the staff, both who have playing, calling experience, and both who were essentially vying for the job. Kingsbury got it. Johnson gets added to an undetermined role. We asked Dan Quinn about it. He, you know, didn't confirm it, but it looks like it's going to happen. It hasn't been officially announced by the team yet, but it looks like it's going to happen. And they also kept their quarterbacks coach, Tavita Pritchard, from last year, who was brought in from Stanford by who? Eric Bieniemy. That was a little bit of a surprise to me last night. Uh, I think Nikki Javala was first on that. Tavita Pritchard was brought in by Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is no longer here. Dan Quinn told us that on Monday. Tavita Pritchard is staying. Barring some sort of breakdown at the last second here, they think very highly of Tavita Pritchard. Now, again... Maybe that's Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know. Maybe that's just how smart and how much they he wowed them in, in an interview. I, I, again, don't know. I mean, that was the buzz. But interesting how this staff is taking shape. So right now you have Kingsbury. You have Tavita Pritchard, who, again, was the quarterback's coach. Last year, and you say, wow, you know, I mean, look at Sam Howell. He did, boy, he was uneven at best, right? So how good of a coach can Tavita Pritchard be? See, this is why this show exists. To point out the fallacies, the narratives, the false narratives that people have. I don't know Tavita Pritchard from a hole in the wall. Never met him. Didn't talk to him once last year. I was only around during the offseason. They were only available on one day, and I was out of town. So I don't know Tavita Pritchard at all, period. They say he's a great young mind, this, that, and the other thing. Fine. I hope so. And obviously, they were impressed by keeping him. But I don't know Tavita Pritchard at all. But for those of you that might be, and I I haven't seen this, but I know how this game is played. Well, how good of a how good of an offensive coach could he be? How good of a quarterback guru can he how good of a quarterback coach can he be? If Sam Howell struggled last year. If Sam Howell was uneven up and down last year. Of course, they forget that Jacoby Brissett came in and played very well. 
but they mostly look at Sam Howell, which is fine. Started all 17 games. Guys, again, just because your record is 43 and 42, just because your record or your quarterback has big, big swings of performance, just because of one set of data does not mean you're not a good football coach. Does not mean that you are a bad football player if you have a rough year. Right? Just like if you have one great year doesn't make you a great football player. What do you do the next year, the next year, the next year, the year after that? So, again, I continuously remind you to not judge anyone by one set of data. I don't want to be judged by one set of data. You don't want to be judged. You know, like if you're a salesman, right? I understand how the game works. You're supposed to sell. Right? Whatever you're selling, you're supposed to sell. Sometimes, because of the economy, because of the month, because of the time of the year, because of various factors that are out of your control, you don't sell as much as the next guy or as you did the previous month or the previous quarter or the previous year. Does that mean you're a bad salesman? Yeah, could be an indicator that you're doing something wrong that needs to be fixed or needs to be improved. I'm totally down with that. But the blanket narrative that you're really good or really bad based on one set of data is just absurd. So here's what I'm trying to sum up for you. Tavita Pritchard, again, I'm sure he's very smart. I'm sure he's really shrewd working with quarterbacks. Apparently he blew... Away Cliff Kingsbury and Dan Quinn. That's great. Let's see. Let's see if whoever the quarterback is here next year, whoever's with Sam Howell, let's see what Tavita Pritchard can do. But it doesn't mean that he's a bad coach because Sam Howell struggled at times last year and struggled significantly down the stretch. It also doesn't mean he's a great coach If they draft the number two overall pick this year and he goes on to have a C.J. Stroud type season. Right? I mean, Kingsbury obviously will get a lot of that credit, but shouldn't Tavita Pritchard? Maybe should Brian Johnson? I mean, they should all get credit. But that doesn't mean they're all great coaches. Just like if the number two pick comes in and kind of plays like Bryce Young did last year. That doesn't mean they're bad coaches. Stop judging everything, the point being, by one set of data. By one thing that's easy to latch on to. Be open-minded. And let's see where we go. The reason why I'm anti-Chip Kelly is I've got a lot of data that suggests, yes, he's an innovative offensive mind. I've also got a lot of innovative data or a lot of data that suggests he doesn't give a blank about anybody but himself and his scheme. And that's not how you win football games. You didn't see UCLA stopping him, right? To go in conference to take a demotion 
in the middle of February. You didn't see that, did you? Oh, okay. I mean, again, these are the things that have to be pointed out. Whether you like them, you don't like them, they have to be pointed out. All right, let me give you a couple more numbers before we take a quick timeout on the Super Bowl and why I like the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, the Chiefs are going to give up some yards on the ground if Kyle Shanahan runs Christian McCaffrey, let's just call it 20 times. The question is going to be whether Christian McCaffrey breaks off a 25-yard run a 30-yard run, a 35-yard run, a 40-yard run, breaks a bunch of tackles, goes in for a score like he did against Green Bay. I think that was, again, 41 yards out, if memory serves me correct, middle of the field. You can give up 100 yards to Christian McCaffrey. And whatever the dopey EPA per play, whatever nonsense that I gave you earlier that everybody likes to throw around as the end-all, be-all Bible, Whatever that says, that might be good, that might not be good. Probably not good. But you can give up 100 yards to Christian McCaffrey if he carries the ball, let's just say, 22 times. That's, you know, almost five yards per carry, but not quite. About 4.6, 4.7. You know what you can't do? Give up a three-play drive in which Christian McCaffrey gets the ball, gets the, totes the rock at the Kansas City 45-yard line, breaks two tackles or makes two guys miss and runs to daylight and scores a 45 or 50 yard touchdown. That's what you can't do. If the Chiefs do that, they're they're baked. Because if the 49ers can run and run with explosiveness, that's the one area that the Chiefs probably can't counter. But if the Chiefs can tackle if the Chiefs can control, if the Chiefs can contain, you can give up 100 yards. You can give up 105 yards. You can give up 110 yards. If it's four and a half yards a clip, no big deal. I mean, obviously, it can't be four and a half yards every play. Duh. And it wouldn't be. But it's not the four and a half yards. It's not the EPA per play. It's the... How do we stop Christian McCaffrey from going bonkers? And yes, the 49ers have other weapons. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I understand they have more than one way to hurt you. That's why they're the 49ers. That's why they're so good. But if you don't allow Christian McCaffrey to break your back. I think then the Chiefs have the secondary to at least sort of, barring a major coverage bust or a slip on the turf or a collision, I think then the Chiefs have the secondary in the pass defense along with the pass rush to get to Purdy, to get to the 49er offensive line, to keep those guys from, again, turning a 10-yard slant into a 60-yard runaway catch and slant, you know, slant and catch and run. That's the whole key. Right there in a nutshell. You can, again, 
Break out any stat you want. Any stat you want. But you cannot allow Christian McCaffrey to make huge plays. 301 Let's get to Cliff uh, right here on the Team 980 uh, and this football Friday. What up, Cliffy? How are you? Ah, just for old time's sake, even though the season's over. Um, um, how dare you? I understand. I'm glad, too, though, that uh, Chip Kelly didn't come to Washington, but but how did you give a pass? Well, well, maybe uh, you didn't give a pass on this uh, this quarterback. Maybe you didn't give him a pass, but how could you say, I understand you don't know him just like I don't know him from a can of paint. Um, how could you badmouth Earth the enemy, but not badmouth this quarterback's guy that's supposed to be here? Wait, 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 slow down, slow down, Cliff. How did I badmouth Eric the enemy? Because all before he left the building, all I heard was Irk this, Irk that, the enemy this, the enemy that. But we didn't hear nothing bad about that quarterback coach wait, until wait, now. Wait, 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 wait. Did you hear from me that Eric the enemy over and over again should be interviewed for the head coaching job, earned it, deserved it, should be a candidate for the head coaching job? And if they hire a defensive coach... There should be, could be a possibility that he stays as the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. Did you not hear that from I me? Did, I did hear that. Consistently. But I was saying, when you were saying that um, Sam Howe failed, part of it was, I felt like part of it was blamed because of Earth Bendley, but Earth Bendley was dealt a raw hand by Coach Centric, a.k.a. Ron Rivera. No, okay. He knew that uh, here's, he knew here, that here's the deal. Back. I didn't just mention Eric Bieniemy when I was talking about Tavita Pritchard because Eric Bieniemy is no longer here. What I was simply saying was fans are going to say, oh, how smart can Tavita Pritchard be? How good of a coach can he be when Sam Howell was a mess? And my point being, and this is the same point for every coach on planet Earth, okay, you should not be judged by one set of data. Eric Bieniemy is not a bad coach because his team, the team, went 4-13 and and because they didn't dramatically improve and because Sam Howell struggled. It is part of the yeah. equation, whether you like it, you don't like it, you don't, whatever. It is part of the equation, I mean, I mean, but he shouldn't be judged solely for that is my point. I know it's part of the equation. I understand that. It's part of the equation, true. He, I felt like Eric was dealt a bad hand. And far as the Super Bowl, <laughs> now nah, Shanahan's legacy not not in danger, but he needs to win one because, like, certain teams not winning Super Bowls, Super Bowl wins are not coming too fast. And I keep saying not to bet against Mahomes, like um, what's name say, but something in my gut keeps telling me that um, that San Fran is going to win. Purdy is going to surprise everybody, which I hope he does, and I sit back and listen. All right, Cliff, thank you. Listen, I like Brock Purdy. I mean, at one point this year, I said Brock Purdy should be the MVP. I like Brock Purdy. It is absolutely – if you watch the 49ers going back to last year, and I know where he's coming from, kids, he's inconsistent. There are large stretches of games. I don't care what his overall numbers tell you over the course of a 17-game season and two playoff games. People that use that have no nuance and no context. You heard what Gary Meyer said. Of course, look, recency. How he's playing now. 
I'm telling you, Brock Purdy overall has put up great numbers. But there are games and there are stretches, and we've seen him in both playoff years where he is wretched for a long stretch of time. And if he's like that against a very good defense and against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Mr. Taylor Swift, they're going to be in trouble on Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday right here, of course, on the Team 980, beginning at 2 o'clock via Westwood One and the Odyssey app. All of our Super Bowl coverage uh, this week is brought to you by our friends at Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, Solo Stove. Back in a flash on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. It would help if I turn on my mind. Sweet dreams of main of these. Turn on your mic, you dumb, stupid bastard. Everyone wants to be. Anyway, um, I saw Kirk Cousins a little bit uh, ago on NFL Network. Did you see Kirk Cousins breaking out the uh, dance on stage last night at NFL Honors? I did not watch NFL Honors. I I, I really don't care. Uh, it's an awards show that eh, it's just a bunch. It's a bunch of hobnobbing. And- I will say it's important. Put respect on the name. It's Kirk Thuggins when he's dancing and has a shirt off. <laughs> but he no, he, I don't think he had a shirt off. The video that I saw standing. Um, I know there was a lot of other guys around him that had their shirts yeah, off. So yes. he was in full Kirk Thuggins mode. Uh, standing put it out. I retweeted it and tagged it. Not bad for a guy coming off of a blown Achilles. No, right? not at all. Uh, and by the way, Kirk Cousins is a free agent. And Kirk Cousins has dropped a couple of hints that he wouldn't necessarily mind coming back to Washington. You like that? You like that? I would love that. I'd get my guy back. Could you imagine if Dan Quinn and Adam Peters go out and sign Kirk Cousins to a two-year contract? $80 million? <laughs> Wait, wait, wait a second. What was that, Kirky? I got Chris standing here. Hi, buddy. How are you? Would you go back to being a beat reporter, give up the normal I so might. you could go back and hang out with Kirk I on might. a daily basis? I might. That's a good, that's a good question. That's a, you know, that's a damn good question. And I was thinking to myself as I was listening to Sheehan talk to Ben Standig on my way in, and I was, I, I was thinking the exact opposite of what you just asked. Damn, am I thrilled that I'm no longer on that beat. And I, I can't tell you how crazy and chaotic my life is just as a talk show host. I can't imagine being on that beat anymore just from the standpoint of this. I Like, Sheehan was asking, hey, is there any chance that Nate Katzer is coming back, the special teams coordinator who actually spanned the last year of Jay Gruden and all four years of Ron Rivera? And, you know, how... Like, what about the offensive line coach? Who's that going to be? Well, you know, like we had the report that Dallas blocked Lunda Wells, the tight ends coach in Dallas, who they were trying to make the offensive line coach here. And and Ben did fine answering it. It's such an awkward and uncomfortable thing when people want to know the answers to things that there's just no way you could have the answers to until it happens. 301 230 980. Coming up, Kirk Morrison. But first, our buddy Sean 
in Cincinnati. What up, Sean? How are you? I'm good, Chris. Thanks. Uh, just wanted to call and give my uh, two cents on the new uh, special teams coordinator. Um, I really don't know much about him, but I've seen the staff. I think what they're five, four, and four, the top ten the last three years, whatever it was. Um, and so I'll I'll gladly take that. I wasn't like I probably would have been fine with Nate Katz, but at the same time, would have been like oh, okay. Um, but I think it's good that they're bringing in someone new. I know he was he seems to be well liked. I saw Jeremy Reeves tweet about it last night or something to try to in hopes that he would stay. Um, but I just think it's 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 just ref- I, like I keep saying the same things over and over again. But it's just yep. so refreshing having people who and and it, I, I'm going to say it this way actually. If you look at the Seahawks, I was a big fan of Mike McDonald and I really wanted him. Have the Seahawks signed a single coach yet? Like it's Dan Quinn. What he was he was hired the day after Mike McDonald, and he seems like he he has almost his entire staff done. Has Mike like? And obviously, I could be wrong because I don't pay attention to the Seahawks that heavily. But I haven't seen anything, and I keep hearing, I keep seeing people on Twitter making fun of them um, because he hasn't signed anyone. And so I thought, I just think that's pretty telling um, to where these two guys are at in their careers. And I honestly think um, the more, the longer time this this hire, like the more time we have to sit with this Dan Quinn hire and learn about him and see what he does and see his decision making, I just think we're going to continue to like it more and more. I really, I have no idea what's going to translate on the field, but it just seems like when you have professional adults who aren't putting spoiled milk and ice cream in each other's offices because they don't like what they're doing, then maybe, just maybe, we can have a good football team and focus on the field for once. But just to finish up, like I said, it's just, it, it, it really and truly does seem like a new age of Washington football, and I couldn't be more excited. Um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to the combine and then to see where what guys we get. I know it's so far away, but since our season was over, what, like by week 15 or whatever it was, I've been already feel like I've been looking towards the draft for months now. But just to end off, really excited, really refreshing. Feels like a breath of fresh air weighed off my shoulders because there's smart adults I can actually have full trust and faith in that are running this team. So I, I couldn't be exci- more excited. I couldn't be happier. And it just feels good to have a chance and to not have a team bogged down by the worst owner in sports history. Thanks, I'm with Chris. you. Have a great day. I'm with you. Thanks, Sean. Good to hear from you. As always, enjoy the weekend in Cincinnati. Have some Skyline chili on a hot dog or something, some spaghetti thrown into the mix there. Yeah, we do have breaking news right here, right now. Why don't we do it on the trending alert? And then um, we'll be joined by Kirk Morrison, former NFL linebacker uh, with Raiders and a couple of teams. Long time. NFL and college football analyst. Uh, He'll also uh, be with us as well. Caroline um, Blakely, who is the uh, D.C. native, president and CEO of Rebuilding Together uh, at the Super Bowl. They will join us next, and we'll obviously talk about some of this stuff, but let's get the breaking news for you right here, right now on the Team 980. We were just mentioning our pal Ben Standing of The Athletic and here Odyssey DC at times, uh, and he didn't know when Kevin Sheehan asked him about 
Nate Katzer and the commander special teams uh, coordinating position? Well, now Ben knows. Ben first to report that the commanders are hiring Larry Izzo as their new special teams coordinator. He's been the Seattle Seahawks special teams coordinator since 2018. Obviously, they hired Mike McDonald. We're just talking about that with Sean. Mike McDonald going a different way. Three-time Super Bowl champion as a player. Everybody probably remembers Izzo buzzing around for Belichick and the Patriots. And he's a Ashburn Broad Run High School Native, so he's coming home. Larry Izzo, the new special teams coordinator, which means Nate Katzer, is going to be on his way out. Meanwhile, the Wizards play their first game tonight without Daniel Gafford. He, of course, was traded to the Dallas Mavericks as part of a deal that ultimately brings back a late first-round pick uh, for the Wizards. 7-15 the pregame, 7-30 or so the uh, tip from Boston as the Wizards look for win number 10 against the Celtics, who look for win number 40. Right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app, and that's what's trending. All right, guys, we're with you on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app as we approach Super Bowl 58. And, of course, part of Super Bowl week is doing great for the community and in Las Vegas and in Henderson, where I used to live, where my son was born, Rebuilding Together is a national nonprofit organization dedicated to repairing the homes of people in need. And they've teamed up with Lowe's Home Improvement for the 29th annual kickoff to rebuild event uh, during Super Bowl weekend, which, of course, is straight ahead. Joining us now to discuss live for the Boys and Girls Club in Las Vegas is former NFL player and college football analyst Kirk Morrison and the president and CEO of Rebuilding Together, Caroline Blakely. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate you guys getting up early for us as we talk. It's very early <laughs> Friday morning <laughs> in Las Vegas. So uh, I appreciate that. Uh, tell us a little bit. Um, I, I guess, Kirk, we'll start with you uh, about your involvement, yeah. why you chose uh, to do such a great thing, Rebuilding Together. I mean, I I, I know I've read um, about what Rebuilding Together has tried to do and has successfully done, but why was it important to you? I think the big thing for me is that you know, the Raiders, the team that drafted me when I was in Oakland, um, they've been in Las Vegas now for the last four seasons. And right. so being in Las Vegas, I've kind of put myself and entrenched who I've been as a former player. And my roots have now kind of come to Las Vegas and really being a part of this community. And when I found out Rebuild Together was coming, going to be here, I was like, I want to be involved. And I couldn't pass up with the opportunity because I think we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and we'll talk about the 49ers. But let's talk about Las Vegas as a community. And people don't know how this community has been revitalized. And there's people who've been here for a very long time. And so to have the opportunity to help others when it's possible. And then on top of that, the community in terms of the youth and now having sports. They didn't have this 10 years ago. Las Vegas is now a sports town. So to me, I could not pass up on the opportunity to partner with Rebuild Together. And this has been fun. Yeah, Caroline, just, you know, speaking to what Kirk was just mentioning, again, I lived in Vegas 22 years ago, uh, and it was a completely different city. I was there a couple of years ago for the Stanley Cup Finals, so, I mean, I've seen new Vegas, so on. But with all the great buildings and all the great hotels and hospitality, you don't want to leave anybody behind, right? And that's what, you know, that's what you guys are trying to do here uh, with, build, with Rebuilding Together, right? 
That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So as Las Vegas has grown, so, so has the need for affordable housing grown, and so has the need for us, our services grown. So we're so happy to be here uh, and take all the energy that's all about the Super Bowl and put it right back into the communities that need it. So we come in, we uh, talk to homeowners that live in Vegas, find out what they need, and we bring in Lowe's and Lowe's volunteers. We go into their homes and try to make them safe and healthy so that people can stay in the neighborhoods and revitalize their communities and be safer and uh, more at ease at where they live. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and obviously tying it together with the Super Bowl makes all the sense. Um, so, Kirk, you mentioned, you know, of course, the Raiders and Las Vegas, right. and now we're having a Super Bowl and Super Week again. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years ago, if I could have ever thought this would happen, never mind 22 right. years ago. When did it hit you that Las Vegas was not only the the entertainment capital of the world, you know, but as Caroline basically re referred to, you know, the kind of almost the sports capital of the world, certainly this week, if not really moving forward? Yeah, you know what? I, that's a great question, because I really felt that. A couple of years ago, when the NFL decided to have the draft here in Las Vegas, that was the first time that you felt it. And you're like, wow, the NFL is on to something. And having a chance to talk to a lot of the owners, talk with Jerry Jones yesterday, uh, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Woody Johnson, owner of the New York Jets. This was the NFL's plan. And because Las Vegas is still a up and coming sports city, everyone across the country, even internationally, they're all joining in a part of this process. So Caroline just talked about it earlier. The energy is unbelievable because it feels like not just a Super Bowl of, you know, the hometown city. This is a Super Bowl for the entire world to really come into Vegas. It's not about the shows. It's about the right. football and everybody's buying into it. And so that's where I felt like a couple of years ago, they really felt Las Vegas is now the new big city that can host a big worldwide event such as the Super Bowl. Well, and also, like, as we were talking about with Caroline, I mean, you know, when you bring in a partner like Lowe's Home Improvement, uh, you know, which everybody yeah. knows what they stand for. And when you can do good and balance the fun and the excitement and the pizzazz of Super Bowl and Las Vegas, it, it, it really seems like a perfect combination. It absolutely is. And Lowe's has been our partner now. I think this is our 29th time yeah. of doing the Super Bowl with Lowe's. It's been, they've been a great partner. They bring out employees from the Lowe's stores. So we have a lot of red vests coming out and helping us out um, doing these repairs for these homeowners. Uh, Kirk, let me ask you a couple of rapid fire football questions before we uh, run out of sure. time here. Um, first, for my audience locally in Washington, D.C., the commanders hired yes. Dan Quinn. I'm a Dan Quinn guy, been a Dan Quinn guy, always will be a Dan Quinn right. guy. Are you a Dan Quinn guy? Yeah, I've always been a Dan Quinn guy ever since his Seattle days. I thought he was a really good coach, obviously, with Atlanta. But I think we saw how it ended in Atlanta for him. And I always say the second time around, what are you going to get from a head coach? And I think you've got a motivated head coach who realizes how he wants to do things. His defensive scheme is really, I think, one of the best in the NFL. And he's brought along some guys. And you got a new offensive coordinator to go along with him and Cliff Kingsbury. So the days in Washington seem to be more exciting now as they go by. He's putting together a great staff. And 
You got the number two overall pick over there, Chris. How what you yeah. going to do with that one? That's going to be exciting over the next couple months as we start to speculate who the commanders will draft in the 2024 NFL draft. Well, you, you know, Kirk, the speculation has already begun. I mean, I've already done right. full shows this <laughs> week on that. So I'm going to ask Correct. you, what would sure. Kirk Morrison do if you had the number two overall pick and you were the commanders or running the commanders? Come on, man. It's too easy, right? It's, it's, it's partnerships. We talk about rebuilding together in Lowe's here in Las Vegas. Why not Love it. bring Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams together? They worked there with each go. other last year at USC as he was an offensive analyst coach. And Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner of 2022. Hey, why not bring them both together? I think if there's any way possible the commanders can draft Caleb Williams, you do that. So I think that's uh, that'd be the plan if I was a uh, Adam Peters, their general manager and, and new uh, new owner, Mr. Harris. You know, as, as we're talking about kickoff to rebuild and rebuilding together, I asked Dan Quinn on Thursday when I had him on my radio show, I said, hey, you know, you guys have never worked together, Adam Peters and 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 yourself. But Correct. there was a guy that's I don't know, he's going to be the head coach in this game for the NFC uh, team, the San Francisco 49ers, that is helping yes. his former team, one that he left and was <laughs> fired by 10 years ago rebuild together uh and that's there Kyle Shanahan pretty cool right yeah really cool I mean they um they've been together before Kyle Shanahan you mentioned was the offensive coordinator under Dan Quinn uh with their time in Atlanta and look they helped Matt Ryan become an MVP in the league so a lot of history there so I think you could be excited I, I've got a lot of friends who are commanders fans the D.C. area, a lot of excitement, I think, was going to come over the next couple of years as they really start to build right. that football program back. Well, that's course, my I, hometown, so I certainly <laughs> hope you're right. I hope exactly. Wait, Caroline, you're, you're, you're from D.C.? Sure, yeah. and our offices are located in D.C., so oh, we've been waiting. Awesome, <laughs> we've been awesome. Waiting. Well, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, di I didn't even realize that, so you yeah, know, obviously yeah. we're, we're born doing good and bred, for Born and bred in Washington, so I can't wait. All right, so let me ask you this. Uh, I, I'm not personally <laughs> against the term commanders, but you as a lifelong D.C. Residence are, resident are you? No, I've accepted it. Okay. So you have to accept it and move on from what it was to what it is now. And I think with the new ownership being there, maybe the stadium. I don't know what's going on really with that, but I, it's very exciting times in Washington. Absolutely. I don't like it. You don't uh, like I, it? I don't, I don't like, like the it. commanders? No, no, no. I, I, I think it should go back to the Washington Football Club. Oh, the Washington that's, football team. That, that's, that was that was uh, I missed it. Already. That's good. Well, I missed the Washington Senators. So oh, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of sentiment for going back to Washington football team, which everybody hated yeah. when yes. they went from Redskins to Washington football team because they said it was yeah. so yeah. generic. I know you guys got to run, but one last one, just a quick prediction, Kirk, on the game. You know, I've been waiting, waiting. I was going to hold it all the way until uh, <laughs> until Sunday. But I, I just think that the San Francisco 49ers are going to win this football Ooh. game. Uh, they haven't played their best football in the playoffs. I think Sunday they finally do, and they bring home the uh, franchise's sixth championship. So I've got the 49ers winning on Sunday. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, uh, I would say that's uh, that's what the, 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 the gambling odds would suggest, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's what I think a lot of people are picking against. It's the 29th annual kickoff to rebuild event during Super Bowl weekend in Las Vegas, in Henderson. Uh, and you guys are doing unbelievable work with Lowe's Home Improvement, uh, D.C. resident and native. Uh, Caroline <laughs> Blakely here, the president and CEO of Rebuilding Together and Kirk Morrison uh, with us. Thank you so much, guys, and great work. Thank and you. Appreciate your time.
Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thanks to both of them. Our big game coverage right here on the Team 980 is presented by our friends at Solo Stove. Feel the heat. All the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. I'm going to get me a solo stove. You know, I, sometimes you like to be outside, but you don't want it necessarily that uh, messy fire. I love my fireplace inside the pad. Keeps your toes nice and warm. Keeps everything nice and warm. Who doesn't like that? And a stiff cocktail, baby. Oh, man, do I need it. It's been a long, long football season, and it's down to one game. How about Dan Quinn, by the way? I went back and I listened to the interview. We have a we have a minute here, right, Matt? Before I have to hit the break. How about Dan Quinn loving Matt, the head coach of the Commanders, calls in and just fires off a Ric Flair woo, and then Dan Quinn's like, "Oh, Ric Flair woo, yeah! How about that? I love that." I mean, first time caller. Who doesn't love the Nature Boy? And I, I said, "Well, Dan, you know, you are a first time caller." You know, weird context, but you're a first-time caller. You <laughs> gave him the double woo. I mean... That was awesome. That was great. If you missed it, go back and check out the Commander's Head Coach on with us uh, yesterday afternoon. It's available for you via the podcast at theteam980.com. Uh, if you just go to the podcast section, Chris Russell, Matty's got it all isolated and cut up for you uh, and labeled nice and clean. Download it. Listen to it. Share it with a friend, and right at the very top, you hear Dan Quinn doing the woo. Well, he didn't actually do the woo. He just acknowledged that he knew all about it and Ric Flair and all that stuff. Surprise, right? Surprise with what we know about Dan Quinn so far, that he would actually be into that and have a knowledge of it, right? Or no surprise, I guess. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. If you missed that and how it played out, Again, go get yourself uh, the podcast. So Larry Izzo, the new special teams coordinator, according to Ben Standig, others have confirmed it uh, since the Seattle special teams coordinator since 2018, three-time Super Bowl champion uh, as a player. He was with uh, Bill Belichick uh, and the Patriots. Grew up in the Northern Virginia area in Ashburn specifically at Broad Run High School. So this is a homecoming for Larry Izzo, and he is going to replace Nate Katzer as the special teams coordinator for the Washington Commanders, according to Ben Standig and also others. All right, we'll take a timeout. Dumb, dumb of the day. Usually we make fun of really dumb people. Today we're just going to make fun of a dumb general manager. I guess he qualifies as a really dumb person, but he's a dumb general manager. In baseball, you'll see what we're talking about next on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, wrapping up this football Friday before the Super Bowl again. Coverage underway Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Greg Hoppin coming up in less than 10 minutes live from Radio Row in Las Vegas. Uh, And um, 
Again, the game and the pregame coverage and every co- part of the coverage, uh, 2 o'clock Sunday, right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app on this Football Friday on the Team 980, driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Before we get to Dumb Dumb of the Day, the Nationals announcing their preseason spring training broadcast schedule. We here at the Team 980 have... Um, Two games, two games, I think it is, uh, for you, along with 106.7 having uh, many more. But we have two games specifically uh, for you on March 13th at the Miami Marlins at 110 right here. Charlie and Dave on the Team 980. And as well, towards the end of spring training, uh, March 18th at Houston, 605 at night. Uh, on the Team 980, of course, in West Palm Beach. I just wanted to pass that along. Speaking of baseball, that's how we wrap up a football Friday, huh? It's time for Dum Dum of the Day. All right, never, ever, ever hire this man to run your baseball team. He ruined the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He ruined the New York Mets of New York. Billy Epler. And now you can't do it at least this year. Not that you would want to because he absolutely sucks. But MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred announcing today that former Mets general manager Billy Epler has been placed on the ineligible list through the conclusion of this coming World Series. Not because he's a dumb idiot, but because he broke the rules on top of being a dumb idiot. So he's suspended and through uh, through the 2024 World Series. Why? For a violation of injured list rules, he apparently Tell me don't play that. Yeah, exactly. He apparently directed the following pattern of conduct in violation of MLB's rules: improper use of injured list placements, including the deliberate fabrication of injuries and the associated submission of documentation for the purposes of securing multiple improper injured list placements during the 2022 and 2023 season. Now, he was, again, let go by the Mets because he's stupid and because he's a terrible executive. Uh, Stupid might be strong. He's a terrible executive. He has no idea what he's doing. He's been given a king's ransom to run two baseball organizations, and he's run them both into the ground. Uh, He was actually resigned, but trust me, he was fired. Uh, Nobody wants him. David Stearns, the new Mets executive who comes over from the Brewers, very, very smart. Uh, Billy Epler, not very smart. So anyway, he resigned under pressure from this investigation and now he's suspended for the year never ever if mike rizzo ever leaves washington there's one name that you should never ever 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 want to see on the candidate list and that's billy and for that and many more reasons you sir even on a football friday get our special honor Ah, yes, this is what happens when you break the rules. The Mets used the uh, injured list 28 times in 2023, just the 16th most. Uh, But, you know, there was all sorts of violations, and this is what happens when you break the rules. You say, well, you get suspended, or you get punished, or you get thrown in jail, or you get hit upside the head with a club which is probably what they should do to Billy Epler. All right, great week. Thanks to uh, Gary Myers, uh, of course, once a giant author, longtime NFL journalist, as well, Tyler Fulgham from ESPN, ESPN Bet, as well, thanks to Kirk Morrison for joining us uh, from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Again, if you missed our interview with Dan Quinn, please, please, please go check that out on the Odyssey app. Matt, he's got it isolated for you and all chaptered up. 
and as well at the team 980.com. Uh, just go to the podcast section. Great week. Thanks to all of our guests, including Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, Jay Gruden, and much, much more. Thanks to all of you for listening live on the podcast, on the pod stream, whatever. Have a great weekend. Hoffman up next from Vegas. Go 49ers, but I'm picking the Chiefs. Adios. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.